Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Welcome, everybody, to Tony Katz today. Today is not Tony Katz today. I'm your guest host, Kira Davis, filling in for Tony while he's out. Don't worry, he'll be back. He's fine. But in the meantime, you are in my very capable hands. I'm very happy to be here. Always love filling in for Tony. Again, my name is Kira Davis. I'm a I'm a writer. I'm an author of the book Drawing Lines: Why Conservatives Must Begin to Battle Fiercely in the Arena of Ideas. And my podcast is Just Listen to Yourself with Kira Davis, and that's available wherever you find your podcasts. And I do that podcast because a lot of times I hear people making their talking point arguments in public, and I think to myself, Oh my gosh, did you just hear? what you just said. So I think a lot of people need to examine the things that they're saying and what those things really mean. We're going to talk a little bit about that today because there is so much going on. That is the joy of the Biden administration. No shortage of stories, no shortage of horror. But here's something hopeful to start out with. It's Groundhog Day. Puxatani Phil, the famous groundhog, uh, was trotted out as usual to see whether or not most of America can look forward to another six weeks of winter. And those of you who live in colder climes, I myself am here in Southern California, so we don't necessarily need Puxatani Phil's hopefulness, but I came from the Midwest. My family moved here from Gary, Indiana. So I know I used to watch him a lot when we lived in Gary. And uh, you'll be happy to know that Puxatani Phil did not see a shadow, which means you will not get another six weeks of winter. Now, to be fair, Puxatani Phil is only right about 40% of the time. So I don't know if you want to go with the hopeful, if you want to go with that 40%, or if you're in the glass half empty category, that 60% chance that he's going to be wrong. But if, geez, it's nice to hear some hopeful news. Right. I, I was thinking about that a little bit. We're going to get into some stories here, mostly about the crime waves coming across uh, our country right now. But I was thinking about why do we still do this? There is so much angst about frivolity these days. I don't know if you've noticed this, but in our culture, it, it's a, such a strange dichotomy. We're being led around by the nose by children, by people who who have childlike thoughts and childlike views of the world. But those children also seem to hate fun. They seem to hate silly things. So we're always banning fun. I'm in California, so we ban any anything that looks like it's going to be fun, we're, we're going to ban it. You're not supposed to be having fun here. You are only supposed to be toiling day and night. Mission accomplished for the most part. <laughs> But I was I was wondering, you know, why do we still do this tradition and hold it in such high esteem? And I do believe it's because at the base of the American psyche is this attitude of hope. It's actually something that President Obama tapped into very quite successfully. Right. Two terms at, for better or for worse for the rest of us. But he ran on hope and change. And I think part of that, besides the, the very historical angle of his campaign, was this idea of hope. People, we, we still have this outlook that there are better days ahead, that there can be better days ahead. So I hope that is true. 
unfortunately, right now, a lot of us are not living in better days. We are struggling. And a lot of that struggle has to do with crime waves gripping the country. I'm sure I don't have to explain to you the absolute state of degradation that California's criminal justice system is currently in. It's, we, it's absolutely insane. As you may well know, we have this measure called Prop 47, which makes it legal for anyone to walk into any retail store and steal up to $950 worth of goods with, with no charges. You will not be charged. You can, and people do it. You've seen the videos. You've watched them by now. It happens all the time. It happens so frequently, people, that it happened to our own governor. That's right. The esteemed Governor Hairgel, or excuse me, Governor Gavin Newsom, wannabe president of the United States. God help us all if that happens. I want to sidebar here. Here's a side note. Everybody who thinks that Gavin Newsom is a joke, and he, he is very jokey, if you think he's a joke and you're not worried about him running for president, let me tell you as a Californian, you should be. I hear from a lot of people, particularly Republicans and conservatives, uh, that Gavin Newsom, who cares if he runs, all you got to do is put footage of San Francisco being gutted by crime and homelessness and fentanyl on a loop. Boom, election over, done. But Gavin Newsom is the governor of California, and that is our daily life here. Even in the cozy suburbs, even in the middle of the city, that is our daily life, and we're still voting for him. So just extrapolate out that out to a national vote. There's something about the man that people like to see. Don't ask me what it is, because I live in his mess. But there is something that about him that seems to capture voters who aren't who, low information voters, for lack of a better term. He is dangerous in that respect. So you should be paying attention to what he's doing and saying out there. Don't just don't only think of him as a joke. The joke's been on us for about four years now. So let's not get too happy about him. But Recently, this clip should blow your mind. I'm going to play this clip from Gavin Newsom. It blew my mind when I heard it. Recently, Gavin Newsom was on a Zoom call with some California legislators talking about crime. They're always talking about crime here in the state, but no one ever wants to fix it. That Prop 47 is still the law of the land. We currently have a petition that is circulating in this state to try to repeal Prop 47. So that would require a ballot initiative and hopefully we can get that on the ballot for this November. And uh, so pray for us, please, if that's your thing. So this is the current state of things here. So Gavin Newsom's talking about the state of crime, and he recounts a story quite incredulously about him being in a California Target and watching someone walk out with goods, watching someone steal. And the, the encounter that he had with the Target employee who did not recognize him as the governor of California. And that employee, he asked the employee what was going on and that employee told, told him that it was the governor's fault. But what he says next, I found absolutely astounding. Let's play that clip right now. He says, sir, uh, you dropped this. And he comes back, picks it up and keeps walking out. As we're checking out, the woman says, oh, he's just walking out. He didn't pay for that. I said, 
why don't you stop him? She goes, oh, the governor. I swear to God, true story. Oh, my mom's great. The governor lowered the threshold. There's no, there's no, there's no accountability. There's no, I said, that's just not true. And she, I, she got, I said, we have the 10th toughest, $950, the 10th toughest in America. She doesn't even know what I was talking about. By the way, it's the 10th toughest in America. Look it up. No one gives a damn about right. that. And I said, it's just not true. There's still a stop. I said, well, we don't stop them because of the governor. And then she goes, she looks at me twice and then she freaks out. She calls everyone over, wants to take photos. I'm like, no, I'm not taking a photo. We're having a conversation. Where's your manager? How are you blaming the governor? And it was, you know, $380 later. And I was like, why am I spending $380? Everyone can walk the hell right out. <laughs> I, I'm, my, I've listened to that clip about a hundred times today already. My mind is blown by every aspect of that story. A, the aspect that he was actually angry with the Target employee for saying we've lowered the threshold. I just told you about Prop 47. That's the law of the land. You can, you, he, he, he was very insistent that you go look it up. So if you want to, you can go look it up. And you can see Prop 47 right there in black and white. It, did he say it's the toughest in the land? You don't have to. Tony has a wide audience here. You, you, you span the nation. Uh, you don't have to live in California to look at California and, and think, uh, no, I don't think they have the toughest crime laws in the land. So that was amazing to me. Then it was amazing that he would refuse to take pictures with everybody but now i know now i know why because he was being a little whiny baby about about the truth and then he has the nerve to say i can't believe i'm paying 380 dollars here at target which you know good for you governor i don't know many people in california these days who can walk into target and drop 380 dollars but hey whatever good work if you can get it i guess 380 dollars later he's looking around wondering well, how come these people get to walk out with their, yeah, welcome to our world, Governor Newsom. How come they get to walk out? Because you let them walk out. That's literally the law of the land. Our own governor witnessed it with his own eyes. And who does he blame? The target worker. He, 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 later, he later goes on to talk about why didn't they stop him? And he, he mentioned it a little bit briefly. Why, why no one stopped him? How can you just walk out? Let me tell you about another bill here in California that just passed this past election cycle. It's Senate Bill 553. It makes it illegal for retail shop owners to intervene in a crime. That's right. That's the response that the governor's legislature, we, we have a uniparty here in California, the Democrats run California, his legislature passed that bill in response to rising crime. So retail shop owners went to Sacramento and said, we need help. We are under attack. This is unbearable. It's intolerable. The legislature's response was to pass a bill to make it illegal to steal things, uh, increase the punishment for people who walk in and steal $1,000 worth of merchandise. No, they passed a bill to make it illegal for a business owner to step in and protect his business. So, gee, why didn't that Target employee do something about that guy walking out? The governor, he signed the bill. So yes, Governor Newsom, it is your fault. No, we don't have 
the toughest criminal system or the toughest laws about theft in the country. You absolute craven liar. And that's what shocks me the most, that a man like that can just so comfortably lie. Why? Because no one in the mainstream press is going to call him out on it. No one is going to be honest about what's going on because honesty requires taking a real look at what is going on and who is leading. And right now in places like California and in cities across the nation, the Democrat Party is leading. So I don't really care what your politics are. I really don't. If you just take off your partisan hat for one second and just look at the evidence that's in front of your eyes, we have a Democrat problem in the cities. There are no Republicans running things in California. It doesn't exist. So there's, you can't blame Republicans. What happens when you can't blame Republicans? You have to start blaming the taxpayers. You have to start blaming the workers. And that's exactly what has happened here in California. And that is exactly what is happening on a federal scale. That is the beast we are up against. We are up against a government, both locally and federally, that looks at you, the taxpayer, as the problem. You, the taxpayer, as the enemy. The story is not over. I've got a couple more interesting clips from other places across the nation. Don't go anywhere. I'm Kira Davis. I'm filling in for Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. Welcome back to Tony Katz Today. I'm your guest host today, Kira Davis, author of Drawing Lines, Why Conservatives Must Begin to Battle Fiercely in the Arena of Ideas, available wherever you get your books. Don't forget to tune into my podcast. Just listen to yourself. We've been talking about the crime wave. We were just listening to Governor California Governor Gavin Newsom, my governor, uh, talking about a shocking incident he had when he watched someone steal out of target and he didn't understand why the employees didn't do anything it, this after he signed a bill that made it illegal for employees to intervene in crimes happening in their in their shops so this is the type of cognitive dissonance deliberate or otherwise that we're up against similar story uh, representative uh, democrat ayana presley you might know her as a member of the squad the far left squad She's upset because now Walgreens, in response to a lot of this retail theft, particularly in city centers, Walgreens has announced it's also closing another location. This story comes from the New York Post. Uh, Ayanna Presley accused the Illinois-based company, that's Walgreens, of engaging in a life-threatening act of racial and economic discrimination over its decision to shutter a pharmacy Wednesday in Boston's Roxbury neighborhood, a predominantly minority community. Walgreens is planning to close yet another pharmacy in the Massachusetts 7th, this time on Warren Street in Roxbury, a community that is 85% Black and Latino, Presley said during a speech on the House floor on Tuesday. The 49-year-old lawmaker called the closure part of a larger trend of abandoning low-income communities Excuse me. I'm sorry. I should not comment on the story before I finish reading the story. <laughs> but I said the title of my podcast is just listen to yourself. 
And so sometimes I'm I'm reading quotes from these people and I'm thinking it. I'm like, did you hear what you just said? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is not good radio, Kira. It's just sometimes it all, the absurdity blows my mind. And I've been doing this job for 15 years. I've never seen life so absurd. Ugh, sorry, to continue. She called it the part of a larger trend of abandoning low-income community pointing to previous Walgreens store closures in her district. When a Walgreens leaves the neighborhood, they disrupt the entire community and they take with them baby formula, diapers, asthma inhalers, life-saving medications, and of course, jobs. These closures are not arbitrary and they are not innocent. They are life-threatening acts of racial and economic discrimination. Oh, so I want you to notice how she's talking. This is a Democrat this is a black Democrat, by the way. She's supposed to be representing her black constituents that she seems to care about so much. And, and she asks, she, she calls these life-threatening acts of racial and economic discrimination. Walgreens protecting their stores and employees from crime. That's economic and racial discrimination. Not the actual criminals who are breaking into Walgreens and stealing things and walking away with no consequences. This is her district. So instead of thinking about, okay, what is going on in my district that is causing all of these businesses to leave? And how can we solve that? Again, the problem is the taxpayers. The problem is the job creators. The problem is the capital. That's the problem. That's the Democrat answer to everything because they have successfully, and this is as much a problem with GOP, uh, strategies as it, as it is Democrat strategies, they have successfully pushed Republicans out of almost every city center in America. So there are no more Republicans to blame. A woman like Ayanna Presley, I'm going to bet, barely has any Republican challenger. You know, here in the state of California, Governor Newsom doesn't even campaign anymore. He doesn't have to. Uh, he probably spent about $5 on his previous gubernatorial campaign. He doesn't have to. It's an automatic win here in California for a Democrat governor. Same in districts like Ayanna Presley's. There's no one left to blame. So who do you blame if you don't have the big, bad Republicans to blame? The only other person to blame is the taxpayer because they're the only people following the law. They're the only people standing in front of you to talk to, to look at, to target. Those other people are gone. I know you heard about those four illegal immigrants who beat up a couple of cops in New York City and now are supposedly on a bus heading for California. Surprise, surprise. They'll receive a red carpet welcome here. Full benefits and they can vote in their local elections. Yeah, that's a thing here in California that you can do if you're illegal. So we'll roll out the red carpet for them. There's no consequences and there's no one to blame. So again, the people that get the blame are the people that are doing the work, working the hardest. Instead of asking, I, I'm sure that most of the employees in these Walgreens are minorities, right? If they're in these minority districts, did she go in and ask those employees what their experience is on a daily basis? I'm sure a lot of them fear for their safety. I am absolutely sure that's exactly why Walgreens closed. That's why the USPS closed some offices in LA. It's insane. And they blame us. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more depressing news right here on the Tony Katz show. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz today.
Welcome back to Tony Katz. Today, I'm your guest host, Kira Davis. I am the host of Just Listen to Yourself with Kira Davis, available wherever you find your audio podcasts. And it's a pleasure to be with you here today. We've been talking about the recent crime wave. What else are we talking about? I've never, I I was saying before the break, I have never seen such absurd times. And absurd is a light word. But to the extent with which almost everyone, everywhere you go, is talking about crime, it's mind-blowing. I know I keep using that term on, on today's show for, I, I just, I'm, I'm out of words. I'm a writer. That's what I do for a living. And I am out of words for the absolute absurdity that we are all currently living in right now. So before the break, I was talking about how, when there's no one left to blame, who do you blame? You got to blame the taxpayers. You got to blame the law abiding citizens because Republicans have been driven out of many municipal centers. And I mentioned the case where these four illegal immigrants, uh, I guess we're calling them migrants now, illegals, beat up two cops viciously in New York City and are now apparently on a bus headed to California. And the New York governor, Kathy Hochul, had, was asked about it, and she had something really interesting to say, interesting on a couple of levels. So what I want to do is I want to play this clip, and then I want to break it down for you. It's about a minute and a half, so stick with me. Here is New York State's governor, Kathy Hochul. Get them all and send them back. You don't, you don't touch our police officers. You don't touch anybody. Thank you, Lord. I mean, we're hearing a change when it comes to immigration in general from President Biden on down. Do you hear her talk about that? It is also directly related to the fact that these were police officers. Does that have any impact? Does that change anything? Well, it's so complicated because, you know, you're a New Yorker. You move through the city every day as I do. We see these people. We touch these people. They're out looking for work. They're delivering our food. They're at the gas stations and the car wash uh, I mean, these are people who came in waves, you know, 170,000 probably to New York City. Um, But within that group, this hardworking, you know, throngs of people in search of hope and a better life, there is this one percenter, you know, criminal element that looks at a different opportunity here. These individuals, I went over their rap sheets yesterday, Mm -hmm. multiple charges, grand larceny, robbery, attempted robbery, grand larceny, grand larceny. Uh, this particular crew operated on mopeds and scooters. They were doing organized retail theft. They were doing snatches on the street, iPhones, iPads, clothing, so on and so forth. Um, one of them that they are still seeking has 10 charges on one day because he's part of a pattern that's been going on. And I'm looking at the dates that their arrest started, which is probably close to when they got here. They've only been here a couple of months. So what the detectives are telling me is they have crews here that operate in New York do all their stealing, then go to Florida to spend the money and then come back. And I'm like, well, why don't they just stay and steal in Florida? And they said, because there you go to jail. Oh. Great reporting. Keep us posted on this. this is- Clip up. That was, you originally heard Governor Kathy Hochul, and then it was the CNN anchor, Aaron Hill, talking to an analyst on the issue. And if you notice at the end there, he says, well, I asked, why don't they just stay in Florida then? And the answer was, of course, because in Florida, they'll arrest you. So here's Kathy Hochul, all of a sudden, sounding very centrist, at the very least, saying 
Let's deport them. Let's get rid of them. They got to go. Why is she all of a sudden sounding like this? Well, A, we're in election year. A lot of people, a lot of politicians are now having to face the music. They're having to face what is happening in their cities because it's no, it, it is to the point where the reality of life has spilled over and it's overtaken the messaging. Democrats are great at messaging and they do a great job at, at sort of shifting the focus away from problems. And when life in America is generally okay, they can get away with it, but it's not okay right now for anyone. And it's impossible to message your way out of that. So we're seeing them responding to, for once, their own constituents. And the other thing that's going on with Kathy Hochul, I want, I want you to notice this. It's not necessarily that she's trying to sound more Republican, but I do believe that there is a concerted effort to paint these northern states who are now getting these migrants bust in from places like Texas and Florida. They're, they want to be the victims. Right? You've heard Mayor City talk about, oh, okay, we can't handle this. What are you doing? This is this isn't fair. You've heard Brandon Johnson, right? Johnston in uh, Chicago, the mayor of Chicago, saying the same thing. Why are you doing this to us? How can you do this? They're victims. Again, it's so it's still a blame game. That's why you get to hear Kathy Hochul talk like that. Because the narrative is, look, we're just our innocent little New Yorkers here. We're not doing anything. We're just trying to help our own people. And these horrible border states are shipping bare migrants to us. And so they get to play the victim. And again, I want to go back to what that analyst said at the end of that clip. And then I want to play to you one more clip from the D.C. prosecutor talking about crime in his district, in the District of Columbia. But you'll notice that man said at the end, why don't they steal in Florida? Because Florida arrests them. Florida prosecutes crime. So naturally, criminals are, are not, criminals aren't hard workers, obviously. They're going to take the path of least resistance, which that's why I'm always, that's why I think, you know, gun laws are, are bunk. It's, it's good to be armed. Not necessarily because that guarantees that you're going to kill somebody who's trying to kill you. But it's just a deterrent. It's just something that's, ugh, it, it's not worth it. It's not worth, just like your locked door is a deterrent. Someone can knock down my door if they really want to. It's not that secure, but it's just a deterrent. Just makes that straight line curve a little bit. So given that statement, here is the uh, DCAG trying to address, he's at a community forum addressing the, the spike in crime in Washington, D.C., particularly among juveniles. They're, they're having a rash of car thefts. We're having the same issue here in California. We're having all the issues here. I guess you could apply that across the board. But it's to the point where local residents are very strained and very angry. So at this forum, a resident stood up to say, you know, what are you going to do about this? What are we going to do about it? I want you to listen very carefully to his response. Let's play that clip. During the discussion, residents did not hold back, voicing their frustrations. Am I blame the system. Many questioning why kids aren't being held accountable. We as a city and a community need to be much more focused on prevention and surrounding young people and their families with resources if we want to be safer in the long run. We cannot prosecute and arrest our way out of it. Really? Did, did you hear that? We cannot prosecute 
and arrest our way out of it. That CNN analyst just sat there and said the reason why these illegal illegal immigrant criminals, which sounds redundant, illegal immigrant criminals, the reason why they don't stay in Florida when they land in Florida and steal from Florida is because Florida prosecute, prosecutes crime. So they went up to New York where, lo and behold, they don't really prosecute crime. Those four illegal migrants just left. They did what they did. They did what is probably very common in their own country. And they did that and they left and they got away with it. You can't prosecute yourself out of crime. So excuse me, Mr. DCAG, what are the residents of Washington, D.C. supposed to do while you wait for a generational solution to crime? Democrats have run Washington, D.C. Listen, I am I'm, I'm I would consider myself a somewhat D.C. native. My father was from Washington, D.C. I lived there for a time as a child, spent all of my vacations and breaks as a teenager there, even went to middle school for briefly in Washington, D.C. proper, not the suburbs, in D.C. I am about to turn 50 years old. Way back when I was a 13-year-old middle school student in Washington, D.C., crime was bad. Poverty was horrible. The city was a mess. We had a crackhead mayor who got reelected as a crackhead, Marion Barry. So the, the problems in D.C. have been there forever, and D.C., like most cities in America, is run by Democrats. They have had exclusive control of the municipality of the District of Columbia for as long as I've been alive and maybe and probably much longer. So in all that time, they have been doing nothing to solve crime. Now this man has the nerve to sit in front of those residents. By the way, the majority of those residents, I, I saw that video, in that room were min minorities. So don't tell me that you're all about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and elevating minorities, and providing for minorities, and then look that man in the face and tell him that you can't end crime by arresting people for committing crimes. They think, they're, they think their voters are stupid. They think you're stupid. Let me just do a little sidebar here. A lot of you, if you're hearing me for the first time, you're finding me for the first time, you might not know this about me, just listening to the sound of my voice. I am Black. And I left the Democrat Party many years ago now. That's why I do what I do now. And one of the reasons I left was because I looked around the community I was living in, in Gary, Indiana, and I saw all the policies that I had always supported my whole adult. Working with those policies, I was running an after-school program there, and I was working right alongside those policies and bumping up against them every day. And I realized they don't. And I, but Democrats own Gary, Indiana, right? They own that whole, they own Northwest Indiana, pretty much, right? And I mean, a lot of that part of Indiana is really not much better than the South side of Chicago when it comes to politics. So these people have had exclusive control of that area. And yet everything was just as bad, if not worse. I recently went back to Gary. It's worse than when we left. It's worse. I, I couldn't have imagined it. 
but it's their city. They've not solved crime at all. And yet they're looking at these people saying, well, we need to provide more opportunities for kids. We need to provide more community services. Well, what have you been doing this whole time then? Why are we still voting for you? This is what, this is always my message to black voters. I don't, I'm not going to tell you to vote Republican because I know the messaging on that is wonky and we have certain ideas about what the Republican party is. So I'm not going to tell you, oh, just cross over. It'll be fine. But what I am going to tell you, it does not behoove us to have all of our political capital in one party. Cause what do they do? They do what this AG prosecutor did. Looked at that black man straight in the face and told him, oh, we can't prosecute crime. Your ideas are unsophisticated. They think we're stupid. And you know what? That's how we vote. No wonder they think we're stupid because no matter what they do to us, no matter what they let happen in our cities, we are still voting in lockstep for that party. So I don't care if whoever else you choose to vote for. It makes no sense to have all of our political capital in one party. It allows Democrats to do exactly what they're doing to us right now, which is lying to us and treating us like we're stupid. And that attitude is bleeding out into all of America. Democrat legislators in city centers like New York City, like Chicago, like Los Angeles, look at us, the taxpayers, and think we are stupid. And frankly, they have every right to because we keep rewarding them for that. So unless we're going to take their toys away, we're only getting more of the same. But that's absolutely ridiculous. This is what we're up against. People who look us straight in the eye and tell us that arresting someone for committing a crime will not stop them from committing crime. What is the solution then? Nothing but utter chaos. And we'll talk about that when we get back. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz, and you're listening to Tony Katz Today. Welcome back to Tony Katz. Today, we are wrapping up the first hour talking about the incessant crime wave gripping America right now. And I ended the last segment with a, a little diatribe as a, as a black voter to my fellow black voters. Uh, stop the insanity, everybody. Uh, we are living in pure chaos, and that's what we're voting for. So vote differently. Now, the, the flip side of that messaging, right, is the GOP has to give black voters something to vote we have often shaped our message to to look at the things that we need to vote against. And I talked earlier on in the beginning of this episode about hope and how that is still, believe it or not, I, I truly believe it, an undercurrent of American culture, hope. I, do you guys watch the show The Office? I'm a huge fan of that show. And as you know, it is, a, it is a transplant from a, a British TV show, The Office, Ricky Gervais's show. And I love the American version better, but I've watched both. And when you watch both, they're both hilarious, by the way, both well done. But the American version has such a different sense of hope about it. The pot, it has, it's way more positive. There is this undercurrent of hopefulness that runs under it that the British series doesn't carry. That's a very American thing. And you know what Black people want? We want hope. Because traditionally in this country, we have lived hopelessly from slavery to Jim Crow to rising crime in inner cities. And now we're dealing with all kinds of political fallout from that kind of stuff. 
I'm not here to talk about who gets the blame for all that at the moment. But the, the point is, is that for better or for worse, there is a sense of hopelessness that undergirds the American black community. And I do believe that the GOP can make inroads into the community by addressing that to you, to, to the non-black voter that might not, that might seem like a very vague con concept, but that's a very real thing among black voters. So we need, that's why we love, you know, despite its flaws, we love Martin Luther King. We love black history month. You know, we love church. We love, we love that the, the shiny things, you know, we love the Barack Obamas and the Bidens. Um, so we respond to hope. And I think a lot of people let that blind them sometimes to the realities of what's going on around us. So the GOP has to offer some kind of hope. And right now, where is the hopelessness? It's in our finances. It's in our bank accounts. It's in our school systems, right? We are literally educating hopelessness. So we need to get in there and we need to shift things around. Next hour, I'm going to talk about some things that are happening in education in Indiana. So don't go anywhere. I'm Kira Davis. I'm sitting in for Tony Katz today. And this is the Tony Katz Today Show.